Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. In March of this year, Square Financial Services officially launched its bank after receiving its industrial loan corporation license from the FDIC a year prior. The Salt Lake City Bank is owned by Square, a fintech worth more than all but four U.S. banks, according to the KBW Bank Index. Square Financial Services will offer services like deposits and other products initially to service a nationwide network of small businesses, many who already operate on the Square payment processing platform. I'm excited to have Square Financial Services CEO Lou Goodwin on the Banking Transform podcast. He will discuss the strategy behind building a bank to serve small businesses and the challenges facing fintech players in North America. Historically, Square has been best known for its card reader and point-of-sale payment solution, used largely by small businesses, but it's also facilitated credit for entrepreneurs and small businesses that have used its products. The formation of its new bank gives Square the ability to directly provide access to loans and banking tools for the underserved populations. So, Louis, we, you know, I think we met each other, oh my gosh, several years ago in Phoenix when you were at GoBank and, and uh, now you're at, uh, at Square Financial Services. So it's great to finally have you on the Banking Transform podcast. Um, you know, it's interesting because while there's uh, differences, obviously, between GoBank and Square, you know, there are a lot of similarities in that you're, you're serving underserved populations, both in the consumer and now in the, the small business area. So how is your role at Square Financial Services really different than what you're doing at GoBank? Well, uh, first of all, thank you, Jim, uh, and and thank you for uh, inviting me to participate uh, on Banking Transformed, which uh, it's a pleasure to be with you and your loyal followers today. Uh, thank you. So uh, the similarities of GoBank, as you mentioned, uh, was truly a, a pioneer in the in the digital bank account and uh, and uh, you know actually giving cards to consumers that were were underbanked and and really overlooked and and when i look at square financial services we do much the same thing and 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 that is looking and helping small businesses uh, come into the banking system uh, where before it was it was very hard for them to enter uh, and and really fully participate uh, in the in the banking system and and if i if i look at you know, Square and and Square Financial. I mean, we we service really small businesses, a lot of which are sole proprietors, and and we're able to offer them uh, as we've gone forward uh, a full suite of financial products and services. And and uh, so I think that that's uh, the similarities and and you know what we're doing today at Square. You know, it's interesting because over the past several years, we've seen fintech firms increasingly offer products and services that were traditionally provided just by traditional banks. But Square is certainly a, a t- technology firm that offers a broad array, array of financial services. You know, when you look at the marketplace right now, what organic advantages does Square have in the marketplace, especially when you're running against not only traditional banks, but against a lot of big tech firms that are even bigger than Square? You know, uh, as I look at Square and Square Financial, uh, Square uh, Square's mission is firmly focused on economic empowerment. That's how we began. That's how 
that's what our purpose has been. And, and truly everyone at Square is committed to easing the pain points for our customers or our sellers. And, and so we're, we're always looking at ways that we can, uh, we can help them provide and, and do the business that they, uh, that they have, you know, uh, worked their whole life to, to get to. And, and, and we, we've been able to provide them with, with the tools, uh, to, uh, to first actually, uh, process, uh, and, and process their payments with, for the debit cards and credit cards with, with only processing fees, no contracts. And, and we provide the hardware. And then we've just continued to add different products, uh, as we have, uh, seen their pain points. And, and that really leads to how we started Square Capital, which is now Square Loans. And, uh, and over six years ago, we, we saw that there was a huge need for, uh, for businesses to, to have capital. And that, and that allowed us uh, to use the data that, that we uh, have and collect uh, you know, in a way to, to provide, uh, you know, small businesses credit, which they've just not had the opportunity for, you know, previously. Well, it, it, going back a little bit in, in the discussion, you know, the, the Square Financial Services got a license as an industrial bank. What is the difference between getting a license as an industrial bank as opposed to a traditional banking license? Well, first of all, I, I would say uh, qualifying for any banking license today uh, demonstrates a strong commitment from the participant uh, and the applicant. And and if you look at the entry uh, requirements, they are demanding, and they should be. Uh, you know, you, you are. Uh, if you look at what a regulator has to do, they have to be able to keep a high standard to make sure that. That the the barrier to entry, uh, you know, brings in strong players because if you can't trust the banking institution, I think that that you really uh, have a big failure in society. If you if if you if you uh, allow people in that that aren't committed to uh, you know to uh, to serving the customer and 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 being compliant and safe and sound, then uh, you know that's not a good thing for uh, for anybody in in the ecosystem. Uh, but even uh, even more so, obtaining a, a license as an ILC or an industrial bank is even higher because the companies that are mainly looking at uh, at getting into uh, an industrial bank are are non traditional in nature. They as you mentioned, have a specific product, or they have a, a very focused business plan, and uh, and they they don't have the traditional look of, of a financial institution. And so, uh, if you look at at um, our charter, uh, we were the first fintech to be granted an industrial charter. And really, uh, one of two ent entities uh, that have been granted an ILC uh, in the past 13 years. So, it, it is a high bar, and 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 again, it, it should be. 
And and I'll, I'll say, you know, one other thing that's, I think, interesting here is that the regulatory landscape, I think, is uh, less of a challenge and more of an opportunity uh, because as we as we look over the past decade and and, and then recently as Square Financial Services, uh, being a financial institution and industrial bank gives us a seat at the table. It gives us the ability to help regulators understand the day-to-day struggles of small businesses and what it takes to uh, to work their cash flow to to you know go through what uh, what they have to do to uh, have lending opportunities or, uh, or or opportunities in in the marketplace in general and and so I think that we can help regulators understand uh, throughout the entire uh, cycle how small businesses. Uh, and what their needs are uh, and how they can perform. So does the ILC designation, the, the license from the ILC, allow you to get into um, consumer services for consumers as well, or I mean, financial services for consumers as well, or are you pretty much regulated to just stay within the small business segment? No, I mean, the industrial charter is is very much like a, a traditional bank charter. There are very few limitations. And so uh, you know, it, it certainly uh, allows uh, entrance into the consumer space as well as the small business space. And, you know, we've chosen uh, to focus on the small business space as we've entered into, you know, our, our de-, de novo period. So so it's interesting because, you know, obviously small businesses are people too, um, but the, the possibility of, of serving other underserved market segments, while that has been... Uh, attacked by other fintech companies. Is this something that may be on the horizon for Square Financial Services? Well, we certainly have a full plate now uh, with what we've yeah. got. Uh, and and again, in our de novo period, I think it's important that, that uh, the regulators get comfortable with how we do business and how Square does business and how Square supports us uh, you know, to be a strong uh, institution and a compliant institution. But I think there's a lot of opportunities as we look forward. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I often mention my uh, continued dissatisfaction with my traditional business bank. Now, they do the basics really well. There's no argument there. They're local. They're convenient, all that. But they have a difficult time showing me that they understand me, my business, my customers, or even my banking needs. In fact, many times they mistarget me with offers for things I already have, all these different dynamics. And really, it's based on information collected. You know, if they use the insights and data that's, that they have available, they could do a much better job serving me. And, and, and the company I use now for my a lot of my banking transactions knows everything about me, just like Square does, that, that you have the ability to collect information from merchants. Does this provide you an upper hand when competition with traditional banks and credit unions and as as far as being able to actually serve their needs based on what you see in transactions? I think it's a great observation, Jim. I think it's it's important that uh, that we collect uh, a lot of information uh, about the merchants, about the sellers, and and we try to utilize that to benefit them. That's been the basis of how we've been able to underwrite them, uh, and and also understand uh, you know their their needs and and the timing of those needs. Uh, so. 
those are uh, those are all important pieces that that really help differentiate Square, as as you said. Well, it's interesting because what what's interesting from my dynamic is that if you're able to track their sales through their their devices and and what their needs are overall, you can reach out to them for with services sometimes before they even know they need it. Um, I've also often referenced my trip to Shenzhen, China in early 2020, when I was able to visit WeBank, Alibaba, and Pingyan. You know, their marketplace advantage was being able to use alternative data, transaction data, information from the how people use their mobile device, um, other outside data that, that is not often accessed to, to serve underserved segments. Is this really the strategy behind Square Financial that you don't need to take just normal, you know, financial reports, but you really are looking at transactions and flow of castings of that nature? Yeah. And, and first of all, that trip to China sounds like it was an amazing uh, discovery of, of you know, banking and the finance, uh, you know, uh, the nature of finance, uh, in Asia, uh, I I totally agree that that is uh, that alternative data, when used in an unbiased way, can be very helpful in 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 helping the customer uh, make it through their journey, and 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 they are focused on their business, and if we can help them focus on their business by providing the opportunities for banking services for financial services that benefit them then that's one less thing that they have to concern themselves with uh, when they're trying to conduct uh, you know their uh, their business so how do you see the power of ai assisting in the growth and servicing capability of square financial services uh, ai and machine learning is really the basis for what we do at square financial services because we don't underwrite traditionally, and uh, and so we are always updating that uh, the data. Uh, our data is virtually real time, and we understand uh, a, a business's strengths and trends. and And so uh, that, uh, as as you you know uh, alluded to, I mean AI and and machine learning is just the heart of our business. You know, it's interesting. Um, last year was a tough year for small businesses and um, wanted to understand a little bit about how the marketplace from your perspective rebounded from the impact of the pandemic that it had on small business. What has Square learned about the resilience of the segment and the needs of small businesses compared to what you saw before the pandemic? Because it really changed all the all the rules. It changed everything we knew about consumers, businesses, um, each other. Um, what did Square learn and, and how have you rebounded as a company? Because obviously transaction volume going down, especially with a small business, obviously impacts your business. But what have you learned since the pandemic and, and what do you see in the future? Well, I think you said it best. I, I think what has been amazing through this whole uh, you know, past couple of years is, uh, is the resilience of small business and, and what it takes to to change and and we at Square tried to help and do our part. Uh, where you think about you know some businesses and the way that they were taking payments or uh, uh, or even you know conducting business was that they had to alter everything about their business plan and and on the fly 
uh, and and it changed by the week and by the month and and so it it uh, you know we, what we wanted to do is make sure that we provided tools for uh, for the small business that that say had never you know uh, taken uh, payments outside of a you know a face to face type of a situation to uh, payments that were uh, you know uh, not face to face and uh, and uh, drive up and take out and and all sorts of things that uh, that we had to build and our engineers uh, built uh, solutions uh, so that we could help these small businesses uh, you know alter alter their the way of, that they did business and and I think that there are so many elements that happened over the last year that are critical and and a lot of that uh, relates to the timeliness of the of the PPP program and, and and government support because that happened at a time when uh, when everybody was uncertain and 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 I think it was just such an important piece of the puzzle to allow businesses to uh, to change and and to alter the way that they did business and and ultimately uh, we we've seen uh, processing return uh, in a in a very strong way. I mean, there are certainly small geographies or segments that that uh, are recovering slower, but I would say overall, it's just been amazing uh, to see the perseverance of the small businesses. And, uh, and, uh, again, we, we have seen a, a down credit cycle where, where things changed and a, and a, a very strong set stress scenario and, uh, and they have come out and, and we have learned and come out, uh, much stronger, I believe. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsors of the podcast. This show is sponsored by FIS. Have you ever felt frustrated in checking out online or making a payment over the phone? The go-kart team at FIS Impact Lab certainly was, and that's why they created a better payment experience. Go-kart recognizes your email and lets you pay quickly anywhere with no passwords and no long forms. You can pay faster for anything, even things you wouldn't expect like healthcare, professional services, and more. Go-Kart also goes beyond online checkout and allows you to pay easily by email, text, and even with QR codes. If you sell products or services online or in-store, find out how you can use Go-Kart to simplify payments and increase your sales at gokartpay.com slash podcast. FIS, advancing the way the world pays banks and invests. Welcome back. I'm joined today by Lou Goodwin, CEO of Square Financial Services. We've been discussing the strategy behind the formation of Square Financial Services and the competitive advantage of a tech firm offering financial services as opposed to a traditional bank. So, Lou, one of the dynamics of Square that's very obvious is that you're an extraordinarily innovative firm. You're, you've been innovative from the very beginning, but even more so now, the, the, the rapid nature of dynamics of change in banking is happening so quickly. But I would say the square is really in the forefront. We, we last saw each other at the MX Forum, and one of the questions we were asked, Ron Shevin and I were asking in our debate was, 
which firm do you think is the most the best position for success? And I will admit that both Ron and I had basically the same answer that said, you know, while there may be organizations that have deeper pocketbooks, there aren't many that match the innovative spirit and innovative nature of Square. What can you tell us about how important that is to the dynamic of what you're doing at Square Financial Services, but really about the impact you can possibly have in the marketplace when your organization is continually, I wouldn't say reinventing itself, but certainly transforming itself over time to better serve your target markets? Um, a, a great, a great question. And, and, and it, is inc- it, it is so important to, uh, to maybe not look at what others are doing, but focus on our ability to serve our sellers and, and provide a great experience while doing so. Because if we don't, somebody will. And, and, and I think that's been our opportunity uh, when you look at traditional financial institutions is that they, they do a good job at serving the masses, but, but they, uh, they miss the edges and the edges are, are very big. There are millions of people that, that need and, and really uh, are, are looking for financial services. And, and uh, you know, we like to make sure that we're looking ahead uh, at trends, at things that, uh, that our sellers need. And, and a lot of the data that we get helps us understand and identify that but but it's really anticipating the needs and and having the flexibility and and the strong set of engineers and data scientists to to build that and to uh and to make it uh, a reality uh, as as you've been in, in uh, the uh, the financial institution world for a long time it, it it seemed like innovation was very slow to come about uh, 25 years ago, and and now we look at it, and Square's just been in business a little over a decade, and we've seen uh, the evolution cycle move very quickly, and there's no reason to not expect that to accelerate going forward, and and you, uh, I, I think it's important that that you as a provider need to really uh, look deep and plan uh, uh, and plan forward to say, this is what we believe that uh, that our customers will require and want. Well, it's interesting because, you know, it's one thing to be a disruptor and be on the cutting edge and be an innovator and being a fintech. But as you said, you've been in business for a decade now. There could be a tendency for some firms, and there are tendencies for some firms, to almost become legacy mindset in a decade because the world is changing so quickly. And and one thing that, you know, Square has really been good at is staying in the forefront of change, keeping that challenger mindset, continually disrupting the marketplace. Um, I think, you know, a good example is recently you introduced a new set of services called Square Banking that introduced a newly designed deposit services, including both a checking and a savings account. Can you explain the services that are offered as well as the benefits of these products for small businesses? Sure. Uh, so, uh, I mean, uh, you think about checking and savings accounts as as being uh, fairly mundane, but, uh, but to the population of small businesses, that is uh, something that hasn't really been offered to them before. 
uh, again, uh, you know, uh, a, a traditional bank may look at providing uh, consumer services, but the small businesses have been, again, overlooked in that equation. And, and to really fully participate, small businesses have, have uh, you know, not had access to, to, I would say, low fee or low minimum products. And so they have done a lot of their uh, transactions through their personal accounts. And, and I think it's what we are trying to, uh, to offer is that, that we are offering accounts that are tailored for small businesses, allowing them to have their, their, uh, you know, their business uh, transactions in, in, in these accounts and be able to separate their personal transactions. And uh, and when we look at uh, a, a, a checking account or a, a savings account, uh, it, it is uh, it is just paramount that they uh, they understand the value of having, say, for example, a savings account where they can put money and set it aside into different folders and and you know prepare to pay their quarterly taxes or. Uh, save up for that, uh, you know, that espresso machine that that you know breaks down at a at a key point, and and a lot of times that's what our lending takes uh, care of. But but to uh, to to help a small business become uh, self reliant on their cash flows and understand and manage their cash flows is going to be critical for their success. And, and uh, you know, the better the small business, the more processing they can do. And, and the whole chain uh, uh, and, and value chain uh, benefits from that. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I almost thought you said setting aside money for quarterly taxes is that, you know, as a small business, and I'm a small business owner, and, and probably a good example of some of the business that you're speaking of, because while I have a lot of things going on, that's part of my problem is that, you know, I'm spending a lot of time trying to keep my businesses going and I don't have the time set aside to do the basics right, the, the banking issues right, to understand, geez, I've had a pretty good year. How much more do I need to set aside in the future? Oh, geez, how do I, how do I balance everything that's going on? And more importantly, how does this become something that is taken off my plate, but another organization can take it on? And it, it gets back to my frustration with my financial institution is, they provide a place to store my money really well. They provide a place where I can write checks or, or make payments fairly well. But the reality is by not understanding what I really need, which is I need budgeting skills. I need taxation skills. I need to understand flow flow and ebbs and flows of cash. You know, you can, you can tell your merchants what months are going to be best for them, even though they may not know for sure based on outflows and inflows. And, you know, again, it gets down to that whole innovation thing. But it also, I think, gets back to engagement. And we've been talking quite a bit in the podcast around the difference between having accounts and having relationships. And I think one of the things that Square seems to have down pretty well is building relationships because you make it so that the engagement level of your merchants is very high, that they want to go and, and check their square cash 
your Square app on a regular basis to say, where am I? How am I doing? My Square banking um, products, what, where's the flow going? What's what's working? So, you know, you don't stop there. You, you recently um, acquired Afterpay, a major player in the buy now, pay later marketplace. Obviously, payments, deposit services, and now lending services and, and a buy now, pay later product shows that the marketplace is just changing so dynamically. You've also been uh, talking quite a bit about the offering of Bitcoin um, acceptance and things of this nature. Is this also just part of the whole transformation of Square and Square Financial Services to be able to serve every single need that a small business owner may have? Uh, it, it is. And, and uh, that's, uh, again, well said, Jim. I, I think that there are so many opportunities and, and so many areas that, that we need to help our uh, sellers and, and our customers uh, give them a, a place to, to transact, give them a place to, to move forward with their business and, and having them uh, focus on being an expert in what they do, whether it's hairstyling, coffee shop, uh, you know, a craftsman in some way, uh, allowing them to uh, to not have to worry so much about things that uh, that are very important to them, uh, as you said, cash flow, uh, cash management. Uh, you know, uh, being uh, able to work through the ebbs and flows of, of uh, you know the the cycle and the the business cycle. But we want to make sure that we are providing them the tools and that they're very intuitive and how they can help them uh, further their business. You know, we've a lot's been said about embedding financial services within super apps. And, you know, Square, if you, you take it apart, there's a lot of those components that you're building in here to make it so the small business really relies on you to get them going in the day. Um, this obviously impacts the trust factor. Is this one of the reasons why there are several fintech firms, yourself included, that really rank higher than many, many traditional banks from the trust factors that the organizations actually feel like you're getting into business with them as opposed to just accepting their business as a, as a customer? Yeah, uh, to, to me, trust is, uh, is paramount. Uh, if, if you can provide uh, uh, a gateway uh, for the customer to trust you to know that that when you're dealing with Square, that you are are being treated fairly, and that they are looking out for you in in a way, and and so uh, you know, trust takes a long time to build, and it takes just a, a second to lose it, and so it is important that you're always. Uh, you know, uh, having a, a value proposition and uh, and a way of dealing with customers that is going to allow them to continue to feel that they can trust you. No, and and you know another question I have is there's a social aspect to the small business marketplace. You know, people that sell items on a on an online platform are different than those who sell it on a physical space. Those who are in the restaurant business are different than those that may sell um, novelty items or, or clothing or something like that. Is there a social community 
way of communicating within merchants in the Square platform or ways for organizations to kind of reach out to others to see how they can improve their business? Since you have so much information on on the Square customer, I'm wondering if there's some social aspect to Square that you don't see from the naked eye or from the the, the debits and the credits. Yeah, I mean, I uh, we do have uh, those opportunities for our uh, our sellers to uh, understand and learn from each other. Uh, and, and I think that that is important to, you know, to f- further, uh, grow and, and facilitate those conversations, uh, because, uh, you know, we, we do have a lot of understanding of the different types of merchants and, and the different trends that we would be seeing, both ge- uh, geographically and, and uh, you know, by segment. And finally, you know, there's no lack of announcements in the marketplace of acquisitions, partnerships in the fintech space. Square is obviously being the center of some of these discussions. How do you see the world of finance, especially in the small business, but even broader than that? How do you see the world of finance evolving? I was going to say in the next five to 10 years, but let's let's make it more logical, seeing that we've been tested on your ability to predict anything nowadays. Let's say in the next two to five years, what do you really see happening, not, not maybe specifically, but as, as finance in general is moving? Um, I, I certainly don't have a crystal ball, uh, as none of us do, but, uh, but I... Uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, things are evolving so quickly, uh, and and there are uh, there are so many firms with uh, with great ideas uh, and ways to help uh, customers achieve what what they feel is important to them. Uh, there uh, there are uh, so many new aspects that are coming in, whether it be cryptocurrency. Or uh, or other things uh, that that are you know interesting uh, and will bring in uh, to me more consumers and more businesses into the marketplace because uh, the thing is is that it's easy to serve customers of high of high net worth and 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 high value but it it takes a, a real uh, a, a real strong business plan and and uh, dynamics to to bring and open up uh, and add to the number of customers that are out there to uh, to make your platforms uh, you know appealing to uh, many more people in in different ways than than they have been seen before and so i think the next 2 to 5 years will uh, will see a continuation of a, a really uh, strong evolution of, of financial services to the to the marketplace. Lou, thank you for being on the show today. You know, I said it to you offline. I said it to you when I saw you in uh, in Utah a couple of weeks ago. And, and I just want to say that, you know, anybody who's followed me for any length of time knows that I, I truly believe in the comments. You know, you need to embrace change. You need to take risk and you have to disrupt yourself, both as individuals and as financial institutions or companies and that those who can quickly adapt to new environments and stay on the front of that curve will be the successes. And Lou, I, I, I really admire you in, in what you've done, what you've achieved, but more importantly on where you've gone, because I think that you're on the forefront of a lot of things that, that weren't even thought of a decade ago. 
and both what you've done at GoBank, what you've done at Square Financial Services, and what you're going to do next, whatever that is. I would just say that that it's it's really an honor to know you, but it, it's really good to see somebody that really takes it and says, you know what, I, I can't rest on my laurels. I can't accept status quo. I got to be part of whatever's happening, changing going forward. So again, thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, raised the top five banking podcast. I really appreciate the support you have provided since we started the endeavor. If you enjoy what we're doing, please be sure to follow Banking Transformed on your favorite podcast app. In addition, we'd really love you to leave a review that gives us an idea as to what you like and what you want to hear in the future. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the amazing research we're doing on the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman, and video producer, Will Prince. I wouldn't be able to do any of this without them. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.